Hey, this is Andrew. A quick technical programming note before we start. This episode, you're going to hear a little bit of a jostling sound on our interview track periodically. We apologize. Sounds like this. You know, we love iPhones, but the iPhone headphones with the cord leave a little bit to be desired. We're all doing our best during the pandemic. Anyways, here's the show. Portland lost another of its earliest and most significant breweries, and a newcomer to town, in search of beer glory and beer vana, abruptly shuttered its Portland operations. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Before we start, a quick thank you to our sponsor, Pacific Source Health Plans, for supporting the show. It's time for our occasional check-in with Andre Meunier, the Oregonian and Oregon Lies beer writer. Meunier is also a breaking news editor. We talked about Hair of the Dog's closure, modern times flaming out in Portland, what it all means, and what trends he's highlighting in his weekly newsletter. Here's our conversation. Andre Meunier, thanks for coming back on the show. Andrew, good to be back. I, I love your podcast, and I'm always honored to be here. Well, uh, it's always fun to break up some of the monotony of our other things we cover and to talk about beer. For sure. I'm the guy that every time I go out to do some reporting, uh, the people around me say, have fun uh, instead of, uh, you know, hope it goes okay. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I'm, I, I realize I'm a little lucky to cover this beat. So we've done this a few times over the last couple of years of the pandemic, checking in. Um, we've done a few eulogies of sorts for breweries that are, are leaving us. Um, and I, I think we'll start off this conversation with that again. Um, there's a couple of significant places that are closing sometime this year. Um, one obviously locally more significant, I think, than the other, and that's Hair of the Dog. What can you tell us about this place and uh, why it's closing and why it mattered? Hair of the Dog started in 1993 by a guy named Alan Sprint, and he tells the story that when he was a teenager, he didn't like guzzling beer with his friends. Uh, he, he didn't like feeling full. And so when he started making beer, he thought, I'm going to make higher alcohol beer that is, um, bigger and bolder and badder. And that's just what I'm going to like. And that's what he likes. And that's what he's been making since 1993. And Hair of the Dog has established a reputation really around the globe as one of the leading, um, sort of high ABV. Uh, barley wine oriented, strong ale oriented breweries, um, not only in Portland, Oregon, the U.S., but you, you could argue the world. A hair of the dog bottle once sold for $2,000. That's not a joke. That's for real. Wow. Like that's the kind of global following hair of the dog has. So he started making these beers and he named his beers after people. Um, he kind of wanted to break away from the classic naming convention of geography and animals and, you know, the fauna of whatever terroir you were in. And so his first sort of famous beers were Adam and Fred. <laughs> and I wrote in my newsletter about how when I moved to Portland in 1998, I saw these beers on, on the board at this bar I would go to near the Oregonian after work. And I was like, Adam and Fred, hair of the dog, that does not sound good. And so I asked the bartender about them, and he said, yeah, they're real high ABV. They're strong ales. Um, you know, they're not for the faint of heart. And I didn't try them, and I didn't try them. And then I finally tried them. I was like, holy mackerel, what is that? And it was, it was a lot, and I didn't really like them at the time. 
but here I am 24 years later or whatever it is. And I love hair of the dog. I mean, I literally can't get to the tap room enough. O-P-I-A. I believe they pronounce it opia. Um, <laughs> was a chocolate bourbon barrel aged stout aged on tart cherries that they released in December. And oh my God, Andrew, it was the best beer I had all year. It was unbelievable. And the base beer was just this straight up chocolate bourbon barrel stout. It was ridiculously good. So to make a long story short, uh, it's closing. Uh, Alan is retiring. Um, and he's, well, he's not going to sell the brewery. He's not going to, uh, let anybody carry it on. He's just shutting it down. He's going to hang on to the name and he's going to do collaborations with other breweries and the tap room will close in summer. And it's the worst news I've ever written about. Okay. That's, that's exaggeration, but it's really bad. <laughs> so you answered a couple of my questions there. Well, you didn't answer. You gave a nod to some of my questions there in terms of, I feel like we're used to, or, or maybe it's a recency bias thing, but you know, Ken, Ken's pizza is going to live on without Ken. Why does hair of the dog not live on in its little central east side spot there, right? When you, uh, you know, by the off ramps off of the, the interstate, um, without, uh, without Alan. There's no missing it there when you get off the freeway, is there? You look up no. and the, the big letters, hair of the dog, the big, big brown building. I think the, the, the shortest answer to that is that this was his vision. He's incredibly creative. Um, I would say he, um, I don't want to put too many superlatives on this, but he's just an incredibly talented brewer. He makes all these beers by hand. His kids have been helping them over the year, helping him over the years, but mm -hmm. they've all got their own interests. I don't know. I don't, I haven't talked to him specifically about this, but I, I think probably none of them want to take it on. It's a lot of work every day. Um, and hair of the dog has such a reputation that I think he, I think it's just who he is. And I think giving it to someone else, even if it's a, his son who's brewing in the brew house these days, um, maybe that just doesn't feel right to him. Um, and it's, it has its legacy and that's how he kind of wants to go out, you know, like he's the Wayne Gretzky of, of beer, right? You know, he just wants to retire on his own terms and have his records <laughs> and have his legacy and, and ride off. Always with the Canadian sticking with the hockey reference. So we'll, we'll allow it though. Uh, I'll give you an assist here, Andre, and say, uh, we won't ask you to delve more into your story. You got to subscribe to Oregon Brews and News. That's the newsletter that Andre puts together every week, uh, OregonLive.com slash newsletters. Subscribe and you can get a little more detail on kind of the interesting connections between the Oregonian and, uh, hair of the dog that you can find in that pub as well. So before we leave Alan's business there, so like when you look back at the history of craft brew for that, whatever that phrase means here in the Portland area, what is, uh, where does this span when you look at, you know, the Bridgeports and the Widmers and the, um, you know, the other giants of the, of the industry? I think it's the one that's sort of the niche sleeper. You know, you, you talk to anybody, across the country, they're probably going to have heard of you know, people who are in the know about craft beer or, or just casual craft beer fans. They're probably going to, they're going to have heard of Widmer. They're probably going to heard of, have heard of Bridgeport, Deschutes, um, maybe Portland Brewing, uh, McMenamins. You know, those are kind of the, the heavy hitter names. Hair of the Dog, I wouldn't say it's flown under the radar, but 
it's such a maker of niche style beers um, that it's just not for everybody. You know, the beers, they're barley wines, they're strong ales, they're uh, imperial stouts. Um, you know, they do offer one or two lighter beers, but you're not going to go in there and, and have a session, right? Um, and so I think they're not going to be as widely known unless you know about them and they're what you seek. Um, that said, I think they're in the pantheon. You know, I don't think you can you can talk about Portland's greatest breweries um, since the craft beer movement started in the mid eighties uh, in earnest here uh, without including hair of the dog brewing. Well, that's a, a beautiful eulogy for a place that uh, I've had a few pints at and you should get down there uh, before it's gone. Just to jump in there. He, he said that it's going to close sometime this summer. He hasn't put a date on it yet. So, you know, don't count on June, but don't count on August either somewhere in between. Don't wait. Let's pivot to another closure that was interesting last week. Um, this is a brewery that kind of fits an, another trend that we've had in the last, I don't know, 10 years or, or so of a out-of-towner setting down roots or trying to uh, in the Portland area, and that's modern times. What happened here? To be blunt, I think their eyes were bigger than their stomach or whatever that phrase is. Eyes are bigger than their beers. <laughs> um, you know, they had this massive expansion two, three, four years ago. Time is such a blur anymore over the past two years, but mm -hmm. um, they opened up tap rooms here, Oakland, LA. Um, I can't remember where the fourth one. They're San Diego-based. Um, right. And they sunk a ton of money into them, opened full breweries in them or bought breweries, brew houses. And, um, and then the pandemic hit. And from what I understand, and I don't, you know, I only have a contact here who's not part of the corporate leadership group. Um, he just runs the pub here. Um, you know, they're just over leveraged and the pandemic hit and customers went away and, they had trouble getting enough beer into cans and they had some, uh, cultural problems. There was some, uh, harassment that went on. And, um, so they, they had to deal with it. They were in over their heads and had expanded too fast and too expensively. And, and they had a new CEO come in and make some really difficult cuts. Um, they're closing four of the, the four tap rooms that are outside of California. They're laying off all the staff. It's ugly. Does this speak to any larger trend in the in the craft beer industry from your perspective, or was this just one company that you know kind of rose really fast and got a little too big for its britches? Well, I haven't seen any real trends over the last two years that I can speak to because things have been so weird and everybody's just in kind of survival mode. Um, the, yeah. the breweries that have done really well are the ones who are in cans and can get their product into grocery stores and bottle shops and, and move, move beer that way. Uh, because you can't, you, you couldn't sell it over the counter for a long time. And then you couldn't sell that much over the counter because there were space restrictions. Um, so the ones who are doing well are the ones who got into cans. Um, you know, you've got your places like 10 barrel and hot Valley that sold to corporate beer. Uh, before the pandemic over the last five, six, four or five years, um, 10 barrel may, may have even been beyond that now. Uh, I can't remember the year, but, uh, you know, that's a play, you know, I mean, these, there are, there are a whole number of reasons brewers and brewery owners get into what they're doing. Some want to be a Montevilla brewing or a threshold brewing, uh, small breweries where the owner is the brewer 
and they pour the beers and they love it and they love meeting the community um, and they love interacting. And then other people buy it and they immediately want to go big. And that's their business plan. And um, from everything I know about Hot Valley, that was the plan. Um, they expanded quickly. They sank a ton of money into it. They had big backers. Um, and then when the time was right, in along came Miller Coors and off they were. And they were rich and... Um, but it wasn't a wasn't a microbrewery anymore. It wasn't a craft brewery. So you know, it's it's. I don't know what Modern Times' plan was. Uh, if they had wanted to be one of those success stories, air quote success stories, um, but right. it kind of turned on them. Yeah, and it's you know it's impossible to know whether if they were instead of their spot there on Morrison, if they were a few blocks down where they. Uh, where the green dragon is in Southeast maybe had more outdoor seating available and may- maybe they would have weathered the, the storm or maybe not. They moved into the old commons brewery. Um, and I, again, I talk about this in my newsletter. I never really felt like I bonded with uh, modern times. And I don't know if it's because they brought, they brought a California glitzy gold streamer tap room into Portland, which I felt was out of step here. Um, a lot of people liked it. I mean, they were busy a lot, but it just never felt comfortable to me. I also may have just been mad that the Commons was gone because I love the Commons brewery, <laughs> uh, what yeah. that, which they moved into. But they bought another half of that same block and they opened a big outdoor space up top. I mean, it was pretty spacious up there. I think they had the room to be outdoors. Um, you know, they may have had been in a better position as other, uh, breweries that were trying to build parklets or, you know, whatever those street ones are called. Um, but uh, I just think their problem was bigger than just not being able to have outdoor spaces. Fair enough. And uh, I wasn't aware of that outdoor space, uh, but I guess I probably could have read that if I subscribed to your newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the newsletter is good because, you know, you get perspective on things. You don't just get straight, you know, news stories about what's going on. I talk about my experiences at different places, the history of places kind of the ins and outs of them and, and it's probably five or six different little news nuggets in every newsletter every thursday and it's a free email subscription so yeah sign up well let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk a little bit more with andre minier who is a breaking news editor at the oregonian and oregon live and is our resident beer writer critic extraordinaire All right, Andre. So let's talk about some of the other reporting and newsletter related stuff you've had recently. There, there's, it's not all doom and gloom. There's been some interesting, uh, growth plans. Um, you know, whether it's away days, which you reported on recently. Um, you, let's start there. Let's, what, what is that brewery? Um, and, and wh- why are they headed to Troutdale? If you know where the Lucky Lab, the original Lucky Lab is on Hawthorne. Right across in Southeast part, Southeast Portland, right across the street is Away Days Brewing. It's right behind the Toffee Club, which is a soccer bar, uh, soccer brush pub bar restaurant place. And right behind it, uh, the owners opened up Away Days Brewing as the sort of attached, uh, house brewery. And it is making beers that are sort of of the English tradition, a little lower ABV. Um, kind of old world styles, but also really compelling Northwest IPAs. Um, the brewer there, Marshall Coons is, uh, is a really great young brewer and, uh, he's, he's got his, he's got his recipes dialed in. 
and they've been successful, but it's a really small place and they wanted to expand and they've been looking all over. They wanted to go a little bit outside of Portland, uh, Nikki Diamond, the co-owner who owns it with her husband. And um, she told me they wanted to go a little bit outside of Portland just to kind of find some space. And they ended up finding the old Troutdale City Hall in historic downtown Troutdale. You know, if you're if you're heading out into the gorge on the historic Columbia River Highway, uh, there's that big arch there. And the old city hall is right by that arch. And it's been sitting empty for years. They uh, The city was trying to sell it. And along came away days and said, we will renovate this thing. And we're going to put a old style European uh, beer hall in here and an outdoor patio. And they're going to have uh, sort of a nod to, they're going to have a little speakeasy in there. It just sounds like it's going to be the cat's pajamas. <laughs> um, I haven't heard that one before. Cat's meow. Yeah, I'm familiar that's, with. That's, that's my that's my dad coming through. All right. So this is another example of breweries, um, you know, adventuring out from the the center of of, uh, of Portland and all the various Portland neighborhoods. Right. I mean, this is happening. We've got a ton. A of them. Um, you know, I mean, if you just think about downtown Beaverton. Uh, Loyal Legion Beer Bar of Southeast Portland just opened up there. Ex Novo Brewing was the first to move in there. Uh, Breakside Brewing, is, Breakside Brewery is opening um, a beer garden there. Um, Binary Brewing is building a new tap room, uh, a new brew pub there. Um, it's going crazy. And then Hillsboro Steeplejack, which just opened in an old church in Northeast Portland, one of the coolest breweries you'll ever be in. Uh, they're opening a new place in Hillsboro. Um, you know, and so is X X Nova. X Nova is opening yes another Hillsborough West well. Side yeah. um, place. They're opening in Hillsboro, so they'll be in Beaverton and Hillsboro. There's just a ton of them. I think it is smart. You know, I mean, there's you think of a neighborhood in Portland that doesn't have its own brewery, right? It's hard. So yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd head to the Burbs if I were them. You know, I think we've talked about this before, but Alan Taylor, um, the uh, House. brains behind uh, Zoigel House, back in like 2012, 2013 was I in Hillsboro. You know, that was yeah. a long time ago. So, I mean, this has been, it takes a while, but it seems like there's a trend. Uh, a lot of these uh, brewers, you know, people are staying close to home more often, right? And if there's space and um, the clientele, uh, to stay right down the street or in your community, uh, make it happen. Right. You know, and especially with the popularity of alfresco beer drinking now, you know, eat, drinking outside, um, you know, you're probably not going to travel a long way if you're going to be out in the cold. Yeah. If it's, you know, or wet or whatever, you're going to go close by. Um, and speaking of Alan Taylor and Zoigo House, they're doing a pretty cool thing there at the old Zoigo House space in Southeast, um, in Lentz. Is that the right neighborhood? Is it Lentz? Yep. Um, they're now called the Zed and they're turning it into sort of a food, a food hall and a beer hall where they'll have lots of different micro kitchens in there and serve Zoigo House beer and Pono Brewing is brewing out of there. And it's a pretty neat little, little cluster going on. Another thing I learned from uh, your reporting and your newsletter is um, Bent Shovel Brewing Company. Uh, yeah, Bent Shovel is um, it's quite the little story. I mean, it's still just a small brewery. It's barely bigger than a Nano. I think they probably do 500 barrels a year. Um, but uh, a guy named Rick Strauss and his wife, Shelly Strauss, they live outside of Estacada out in rural uh, Clackamas County. 
And he was a home brewer. He worked in IT for some big company. And he quit. And he started brewing. Well, he had been brewing in a pole barn out behind his house, uh, serving beer to his neighbors <laughs> or whoever wanted to come. And it got too big. And the county said, you're too big. Too many people coming down this rural street. You, you need to shut it down. So he ended up finding a, an outdoor space at the Viewpoint Inn with, or Viewpoint Restaurant and Lounge. I think it's a restaurant and lounge. Um, on Springwater Road in, in Clackamas County. And he set up an outdoor, uh, bar there and a little tap room. And, and in summer, people sit around picnic tables and in winter, they sit around the bonfires. And there's just an incredible view through the trees of Mount Hood across the, the firs and the, and the pines. And it's just beautiful. Um, it's just a great little spot. Um, Viewpoint was an old roadhouse and who was owned by somebody else. And, and after a couple of years, the Strausses uh, bought View House. Uh, I'm sorry, Viewpoint, and so they're kind of turning it into uh, just sort of a bigger complex with Bent Shovel Brewing there, and they're sprucing up and giving the Viewpoint a little bit of love. And uh, neat little spot if you're ever out that way. Cool. Well, um, seems like you know one of the big things that that some people have been missing, maybe not others, in, in the beer world is the uh, uh, the massive festivals. Um, you know, I've had my experiences at the Oregon Brewers Festival through the years. Can't say that I've been pining for it uh, during a pandemic. Uh, definitely haven't. But um, wh- what's the status of the the festival scene? Are people bringing those back at all? Uh, yeah, they they are coming back. the The granddaddy of them all, the Oregon Brewers Fest, is going to come back this summer on the waterfront in downtown Portland. Um, you know, at its peak, it was 75,000 people packed in there. I couldn't tell you what it's going to be now, uh, but it's been off for two years and, and for the first time since 2019, it'll be back. And, and, you know, I think with the decline of Omicron and, and case cases on the decline, um, people are looking to get back out. So that's coming along. Uh, Zwickle Mania is next weekend, which if you're un- unfamiliar with Zwickle Mania, um, it's an open house for various breweries uh, throughout Oregon and Portland. They come in, they let you go into the brew house and look around. They kind of talk about what they do. It's kind of a neat thing. Um, the winter, the winter beer festival in central Oregon is in early March. Um, I believe that's at Sun River Brewing. Oh, um, Hosted by the Oregon Brewers Guild, um, Hills Brew is coming up here in a couple of weeks out in Washington County. So yeah, there's quite a few that are starting to come back. I think people are starting to get more uh, comfortable with going. Um, I'm not sure I'm going, but I know there are a lot of people who are who are fine with it, and and so they're they're back. Well, before I let you go, anything else uh, that's going on in the industry or in the beer scene that you'd want to touch on? Um, yeah, let's see what's going on out there. Uh, well, Brewery 26 just opened up in Central Industrial East Side. Um, if you know where, uh, Doug Fur is and the Jupiter Hotel. Yes. They're right behind that on 9th. Um, Andy Shaw is the owner of that. They had a tap room out on Division, I believe it was. And they're shutting that down. And he just opened up a new brew pub and tap room there in the east side. It's really cool. It's just down the street from a lot of places. Um, the Moon Room, which Ecliptic 
Ecliptic just opened up in the old base camp space. Base camp shut down early in the um, pandemic. And um, it's near Loyal Legion. And then the old Burnside Brewing space, which became McKellar three years ago, McKellar flamed out. And now the owner of Culmination, Tomas Slider, uh, has a new partner. He still has a culmination, but he's opening up Fracture Brewing, and they're brewing hmm. out of the old Burnside space where McKellar was, and McKellar's gone. And they're going to be brewing sort of collaborations with breweries internationally, and he's also going to be brewing um, some beers for Chef's Table, which owns Loyal Legion and a, and a, and a, a restaurant group. We're going to be brewing for them, so that's fracture and slider is a, is an incredible brewer combination. It's one of, it was one of my top five breweries a couple of years ago. Still is top level. Um, and let's see what else am I writing about? Oh, I'm going to be writing about Shebrew. This is one of my favorite stories to write about every year. It's a uh, Shebrew is a festival. Speaking of festivals, that features women brewers. And that various women brewers from throughout Portland and Oregon and, and I think really the Northwest brew beers for the festival. Uh, the festival is, is held uh, the first weekend of March uh, every year uh, to celebrate Women's History Month. Uh, this year it's on uh, March 6th. I believe that's a Sunday. Um, you can learn more, a bunch more about it if you go to shebrew.beer. Um, you get all the details, but it's a really cool event. Um, women, the women are, are incredible brewers. They also have a women's home brewing contest that's uh, judged at the festival. Um, always, always a really cool thing to go to, and I love writing about it. So look for that at OregonLive.com uh, slash beer and in my newsletters as well. I'm a shameless plugger, Andrew. Shameless. Do it. And uh, cross-promotion here, if you listen to Peak Northwest um, and heard Andre uh, talk about Cascade Locks, um, he talked about a excellent brewery in Cascade Locks, which has a new brewer who is a woman uh, who is one of the, the best brewers around. So maybe you can find her stuff at, at Shebrew. Yeah, Jen, I'm not sure if Jen is, is participating in Shebrew because I don't have the entire list of beers and participants yet, but um, certainly it's possible. Certainly is possible. Otherwise, just stop at Thunder Island Brewing when you're out there and, and test the wares regardless. Yep, she's a great brewer. Okay, so what else? Uh, but lastly, just um, top five beers that are on deck in your in your fridge or on your tap list if you're heading out. Wow. Well, I just popped into Chuckanut um, Brewery's Peanut Tap Room in Southeast Portland. Speaking of Places that just opened. Uh, Chuckanut is a Washington State brewery, um, originally from Bellingham. Is that right? Yep. That's where Chuckanut Bay is. Yeah. And they are, they've got to be the most awarded Great American Beer Festival brewery of all time. I mean, they just constantly rake in breweries and break in medals. Um, they do European style lagers. And their Pilsner to me is as perfect as it gets. To me, it's my favorite Pilsner. Um, and I just, I just might have snuck by there the other day and bought uh, two six packs of Chuckanut Pilsner. So I'm looking forward to having a couple of those. Um, I've also got, um, on tap a trip to Stout Month on Sunday and Fort George Brewery in Astoria. And I'm going to buy a few bottles of Matryoshka 
which is their Imperial Stout that they do a whole bunch of bottle variants on. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on with that. Volatile Substance from Von Ebert Brewing is um, one of my favorite IPAs of all time. And they are just releasing a a fresh hop, which is oddly timed, but they're doing it. They're releasing a fresh hop. So I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know how how many that is, but that's a few. That's good enough. We'll leave it at that. All right, Andre, thanks so much for taking time to talk and uh, yeah, for all your work on the newsletter and shepherding our incredible breaking news team. So thanks for everything you do. Thanks, Andrew. And thanks for the podcast. I love listening to it, as I said, and uh, I don't look forward to hearing my own voice, but I, I always look forward to chatting. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with you, Oregonian. I shared a link to Andre's newsletter and how to subscribe in the episode notes. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. And tell a friend. Help spread the word. If you're interested in more stories about breweries across Oregon, go to hereisoregon.com. The best way to support our journalism is through a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.